0: The difference between thinking we need change or that change is coming and knowing is really subtle. I think it's that place and time when we can't argue with ourselves anymore.
1: Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversations with enlightening guests and I'm glad you're here. We're always changing. And sometimes that's a delightful truth, yay, always changing. And sometimes it feels like change is happening to to us and not for us. My guest today is Susan Sutherland. She has deep insight into how we can move through change and even consciously create it. It's easy to fall out of touch with our inner voice. And Susan is here to help us start to listen again and define the heart of our next chapter. Are you ready to meet her? After 30 years in the corporate world and being a C-suite executive, Susan Sutherland established her coaching, mentoring, and consulting practice. She helps leaders embrace their growth edges and helps humans in transition who are seeking their next chapter so they can create and respond to change and manage transitions in ways that align with who they truly yearn to be. Susan and her spouse found their next chapter in 2018, and now they split their time between San Francisco and a ranch in rural South Africa, where they run a lodge, guest house, and retreat center. You can find out more about Susan and her work at cleareyedcoaching.com. Susan, welcome to Out of the
0: Fog. Hi, Karen. Boy, I'm so excited to be here after all this time.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you're here. And full disclosure, listeners, I have known and loved Susan for many years. Um so hello I love you thank you for
0: <laughs> the well, podcast. I'm, we've had such a such a time getting scheduled with technical challenges and the time zone differences in South Africa so I'm really glad that we've finally got this on the books and we're talking.
1: Oh me too. So <clears throat> how do how do you know when it's time to change? Not just that you're anxious about change or you're wondering about change or everybody else is changing. How do we know when it's really time to change?
0: That is such a profound question, Karen. And um, you gave me a clue that you were gonna ask this. And I thought to myself, boy, I'm gonna have to show my work here because the difference between thinking we need change or that change is coming and knowing is really subtle. I think it's that place and time when we can't argue with ourselves anymore. So one of the things that I think is so essential and that I'm continuing to try to improve in my own journey is getting quiet and listening to myself and learning to discern what's noise, what's expectations from life and my surrounding world. And what is my inner calling, my soul? What What's the itch there? What's the noise there? And by noise, I mean that that inner voice. And i think there's, because our minds in this world are so strong, we tend to override that. We tend to rationalize our discomfort. We tend to find a story for why what no longer fits us or doesn't feel good to us anymore can stay the same. And I think you know when it's time to change, when those rationalizations, justifications, just a little bit longer kinds of stories you give yourself just don't work anymore when you sort of go oh that's not true and i don't want to do this anymore you kind of get to a soul sick like you're fed up on a really fundamental level does that make sense
1: to you it does and it and it asks us to sit with discomfort instead of Mm. trying to um somehow quiet that voice or make the discomfort go away, or as you said, rationalize. And, and sometimes from my, from my perspective, that willingness to sit with discomfort is a, that's a practice. I don't feel like a
0: switch flips and suddenly you can sit with discomfort. No, it, to me, the discomfort is akin to sitting with your feelings. Mm. Um, One of the things I know about myself and the the lifestyle I inherited, my mother, for example, um, 90 years young, energetic, extraordinary woman is always in motion. And I have an always in motion tendency. And I realize again and again, it's because if I stop and really stop, I will have thoughts and feelings that I'm not sure I really want to contend with. And it absolutely is a practice to notice that you can live through feelings, strong feelings, negative feelings, anger, you know, that you can pick your own negative feelings you don't like to sit with. But I think we have a, a basic fear that we will be decimated by them. And in the same way that you can learn to tolerate your feelings, you can learn to sit with realizations that make you uncomfortable, with insights that make you go, hmm, is there something that I want to do about it? Um, which leads me to another observation. I'll just get this out now, and then we can go back and see if what I said made any sense. Is I think that we have this sense as humans that when we see something or feel something, that we must do something with it. If I notice that I don't like an aspect of my relationship with my spouse, is there a, a I must do something about it? No, I can just observe it. I can just sit with it, and I can discern. If this is something that I need to deal with inside me or whether it's an us thing that we want to work on or if it's just a thing that it's just like a cloud passing or a storm rushing through. So I think there is this tendency to want to feel like we must do something or take action or come to a conclusion when really it's just another moment. It's another blip in time. It may feel enormous. It may feel consequential, but it passes. And we don't always give ourselves the room to use that discernment about what really needs doing here versus what is just, hmm, that was interesting and letting it go. Let me pause there, Karen, because I'm, you know, I get excited and I get on a little bit of a riff. <laughs> I
1: also, I also get excited. This is why we have sermonettes on the podcast as well. <laughs> um, it, what this is making me think of is I'm remembering when my mother's partner died. And I said, let's stop, let's sit, let's talk. And she said, I can't, I, there's too much to do and I have to organize this and do this. And I remember that pattern from, um, I, I got that same pattern from her. And when my wife was diagnosed with cancer last fall, I called my mom and I said, how did you deal with this? How do you, what do you do about the terror and the not knowing and the hurt mm-hmm. and the fear? And she said, you have to keep going. You just have to keep doing one thing after another. Mm. And there's some truth in that because sometimes bringing everything to a complete stop can can cannot feel safe or or can maybe not be right. Maybe there are some things that I need to do, right? There are some practical things I need to take care of, one of which might be finding a therapist or a coach or a guide, someone to help me through. There are practical pieces to do, but I can hear how we, Mm. meaning me too, can confuse that always in action with the idea of change itself. I am. It is. I feel it's time for change and I am always in action, therefore I am changing. Sometimes for some of us, depending on our programming, the always in action brings us the
0: opposite of change, locks us tighter into that old pattern. Mm-hmm, true, that's a very astute observation. And I, I think the example that you use is a really profound one. In times of dysregulation, in times of crisis, which I would say finding out that your wife has cancer is a crisis moment, an inflection point of kind of epic proportions. It does reframe and reground you, you know this, to have your basic practices. You, you get up in the morning, you make the bed, you, sat, you have breakfast, to stop doing some of the things that are the foundation of daily life Reminds you that you are. What's the word I want to use? Out of control. So there are things that the doing of which remind you that yes, you are human, but yes, life does go on. But it's also a different doing than running around like a chicken without a head, right? Like oh, I must do all the things. Yeah. Um, so I I absolutely resonate with that. When when life is starting to feel like it's falling apart, some bitty, pretty basic. Day, daily, mundane things can ground you, can hold, help you hold it together until you can find space and time and wherewithal to either fall apart or feel the feelings or take a bigger, bigger point of view, bigger perspective on what might need doing or attention.
1: I know that one of your gifts is helping people understand and move into their next chapters finding the heart of their next chapters does a next chapter or does change always need to have a big you have cancer or the company's dissolving does does the next chapter always have to start from a big disruption
0: oh that's such an excellent question i i have no i actually think it's the opposite So I'm going to use my um, South African adventure as the example. People often say, well, how did you know you wanted to own a ranch and start a lodge in South Africa? Like we didn't know, we had no clue. But in retrospect, my husband and I, as we were ending one part of my career and he was ending one part of his career, we were kind of looking around for something we could sink our teeth into and I don't even think we gave it a name but for a while we contemplated um, investing or buying a scuba diving resort in Canada and for all kinds of reasons including the fact that we're Americans and not Canadians that didn't happen and then a year and a half later or so we just traveled impromptu to visit friends in South Africa saw the ranch fell in love next thing you know it's five years on and We have a going concern. All of that started with this, okay, well, you know, at some point we're not going to be doing what we're doing anymore. My husband isn't going to be working on computer models for the space program, and I'm not going to be going to my job every day. And there was just this subtle sense of wanting to do do, play, have an adventure, and to do it together, to do something that would bring us back um, to being more of a couple because we worked separately. And, you know, when you're in those days, of course, people went to their jobs. They didn't all work from home in the same little tiny space. Um, This is a very long winded way of saying, I think sometimes it starts with an inclination to try something different. Let's go to a new place for dinner, or I want to try a new class, or I've always wanted to kayak. Let me, let me go do that. And, one thing kind of leads to another. And this may sound sort of silly after my wonderful example about South Africa. Most next chapters are the inside out. Not a lot of your life can visibly change and you can be in a whole new chapter because from where you sit, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, how you are framing and giving meaning to your experiences has shifted and shifted fundamentally does that really, make sense
1: oh it makes it makes beautiful sense that's that's where the heart shines through right isn't it right, right? when we yeah. when we're able to turn it inside out not in a disruptive way but in a way that what i love and what i care about and how i am now starts to show through in my daily life In my practices. Mm. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Susan Sutherland. You can find out more about Susan and her work at cleareyedcoaching.com. If you go over there and go all the way over to the right-hand side on the top of the menu she's got a free vision and goal setting guide for humans 45 plus um i call those real grown-ups um if you're <laughs> earlier than 45 you're still you're still learning and we love you and you're you're just a tender young thing there's a special free guide on susan's website um that vision and goal setting guide you can find that at com. go all the way over to the right side and click at the top and it will be yours when it comes to not just listening to our feelings, but listening to our bodies. Can you say something about how you and your work help people develop that trust? You tend to work up my senses with people who are have had a lot of material success in the world. And sometimes that success, however it comes, I've got money, I've got a high level position, or I raised 350 children all by myself. Sometimes that success comes with a a feeling of I need to deny my body, I need to deny my own needs, because I've got to power through and do this great thing. So Mm. how can we start to listen to our bodies and trust them?
0: Oh, um, so I'll answer the question with where you started, because so let me just say the thing. I think you and I have said this to each other a million times off this call, but also now which is it's a practice right you you learn to listen to your body in the same way that you learn to power through in the same way that we develop mechanisms for dealing with the life that we have now and then at some point those habits may not service the way they used to right so it's a practice listening to your body tuning in what i do with my clients so let's say i have a new client um, let's say she's an executive and she's trying to clear out some mental and emotional clutter so she can think about what she really wants, what she really feels, right? So in our work together, we'll we'll do some stuff, like we'll talk about something. And then I will often pause and say, let's just take a minute. And I want to ask you what you're feeling in your body. Do you have any sensations? And sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I might give them a practice to try um, between sessions, and then we revisit it the next time. The way that I tend to approach it isn't, hey, let's focus 100% on getting in touch with your body. It is another tool. We We can do cognitive work, talking about thinking and mindset, and then we can toggle into planning and uh, problem solving, because a lot of the work that I do is is helping my clients sort of pro- solve the problems that are presenting for them right right then and there. Ah, the employee who X, right? Um, so the, the body work tends to be, and it's not body work in that sense. It's not like massage and it's not deep somatic work. It's really focusing on what are you feeling? And if you could figure out what those feelings were telling you, what do you think it might be? So it starts with a lot of guesswork for me and for the client, right? They're like, well, I sort of have a little bit of a pit in my stomach. And what is that telling you? What, do you where, what does it correlate for you? So people carry stress in certain parts of their body and they can pretty easily, especially high performing people say, oh, I carry my tension in my shoulder blades or I carry it in my lower back. Or when I get nervous, I get a really tight stomach. And so we begin to, and it's usually the negative emotions and what we think of as the negative emotions. And then from there, we begin to work on discerning other feelings that are in there that are showing up as sensations in the body. But all of it is guesswork. You can feel something physically and then you're trying to say, well, what is it telling me or what is it about? What is it holding? What's the energy? Um, This probably sounds really strange, but um, a lot of times it's, does it have a texture? Does it have a color? Is it moving? Is it static? And from there, slowly, but surely, even though it can feel really goofy at the beginning, you begin to notice that your body is always, always communicating. It's always holding things and always wanting to let go of other things. And um, again, it's the discernment that you bring to that and sometimes you don't get it right you have a stomach ache because you think it's a work thing when actually it's the fight you had with your spouse the night before that's still hanging on right so I'm going to stop there again because uh...
1: well I'm just it brings me back to that idea about how I can feel something and not have to act on it Mm. I don't I don't have to use feelings in my physical body as a sign that I am not doing something right Or, right, that feeling of tension in my shoulders can be, oh, no, there's that feeling of tension, the huge burden I carry for everyone else, and I have to shoulder on. Or that tension I feel in my shoulders could be a reminder of my power to take a breath and feel that tension ease just a little bit. Right. That I'm free to feel the physical sensation of tension in my shoulders without needing to then make it mean something. And I think something that I see in the work that I do is that when people are at the next chapter place it's time for change i'm starting to hear that inner voice and something's up and maybe i don't know quite what it is people will often call me as an intuitive and say what is it what is my next chapter mm. expecting me to say you will run a lodge in south africa <laughs> you'll be there will be goats or you'll be very happy um and it doesn't it doesn't work like that feeling those things it opens doorways of possibilities for you Right. It's, right. So the feelings that you feel and what your intuition says, those aren't necessarily predictive. They are like signposts that show you where you
0: can explore. Does that resonate with how you teach? Absolutely. And I, I'm gonna steal your, your words because <laughs> a a lot of times it really is about um I want to use the words feeling into, but then we're using the words feeling in so many different ways. It's about allowing yourself to again, sit with something and then seeing what comes up next. And when we can get comfortable with the discomfort or the curiosity that comes after that, that is when the doorways happen. That is when we say, oh, I see a pattern here. I see a pattern that I like. I see a pattern that's uncomfortable. Does it matter? Is there something I want to do? And I think it helps people know where they want to lean in. Like it's a hook Mm -hmm. that draws them forward. And that's the part where that, that trusting yourself is really hard. Because we have so many, okay, besides inertia, the physics of inertia, we have so many things pulling us back into the patterns we already have especially if you have a family and a day job and like, where can you find room and space to, to feel into something that might be new or different? What are you allowed? And can you carry what most people carry in their day-to-day lives, obligations, you know, jobs, responsibilities, family, um, and still feel like you're being true to you? that you are answering and paying attention. And, and what's the word I want? Nurturing yourself in ways that might be expansive as opposed to contractive. Is that a word, contractive? Contracting.
1: That's a word now. You made it. It's, a, it's a, It has been coined on this podcast. You heard it here. Instructive. That's the word. Constrictive. It brings back the power of choice then, doesn't it? and and sometimes when change comes especially if change has come in a way that feels a bit disruptive what you're mm-hmm. talking about brings back my power now to choose because it now it's not the next chapter that i was forced into or that i crossed my fingers and went out on an intuitive limb and just somehow did it it now my next chapter can become something that i choose that that i create and there's right.
0: and there's power there. Yes, there is. I want to go back a second because as you're talking, um, I'm thinking of, oh, a handful of clients I've had over the years where part of the transition from some, so there's the shitty experience of being fired from a job or being laid off, but there's also the somewhat shitty experience. Excuse my French. Um, you might have to edit that. I don't know. Oh, this is Um, allowed. You may say shitty. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so you have the shitty experience of realizing you were miserable in your job and you want a new job. And the reason why I'm thinking about this is that sometimes clients underestimate the grief that they have to process and the disappointment and the shame and the layers of feelings that they have from, from a disruptive experience in their life in order to get to the place where they can begin to see the possibilities and begin to feel like it's safe and they can be responsive and be in choice. Even when you're in choice to leave a shitty job, there is there are really complex feelings. Job relationship situation, that's sort of a, a generic situation. There's so, every time you end, there's processing. Um, And most people don't really want to think about that. But when you leave one thing and you're going on to another, there are feelings about where you've been, there are feelings about that coming to an end, both good and bad. And a lot of times there's grief, there's loss. We don't as a society create a lot of space for that. Um, And so what brought this up was I was thinking about a client who we had an eight session, I work in different um, boxes of, packages. And she had eight sessions with me. And it wasn't until the fourth session that we started focusing on what was going to be next for her. She was literally processing the challenges and the experiences of, you know, 15 years in a job that had slowly sucked the life out of her. And so, boy, that's a, a happy thought, I know, but I wanted to share that because there's so much nuance in change. And we tend to either think, as you presented up front, It's a big change, big label, big life, whatever, new chapter. It's got a title, um, table of contents, if you will. Mm. But a lot of times it's subtle and then there can be a decision point and there are always feelings before, during, and after and not a lot of um, room or support or safety in processing all of that so that you can go to the next thing, what I call clean, right? Like ready, open. We tend to drag our messes around with us.
1: How can listeners find out more and how can they work with you?
0: Oh, such a lovely and very direct question. So um, on my website that you've already provided to folks, um, there is a contact form. You can reach out to me. I offer... Two um, no obligation experiences. One is something that's a, a sample coaching. It's and I call it a goal setting call. It's 30 minutes. we can connect and work through something that is on your mind. be talking about your priorities, it can be, gee, am I fe- I'm feeling this thing, Is there something I want to do about it? And the other is just a new client exploration where we simply chat about what's going on and whether coaching is right or whether I'm right as a coach for you. So those are the easiest on ramps with me. I have a newsletter. It goes out weekly and uh, I love to have people follow me there. Again, that's on my website as well. And I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And although I tend to really not like it, I'm also on Facebook.
1: What is your favorite part of what you do? I've, I've loved you through a lot of change. What about what you do now lights you up?
0: So on a very, very personal level, um, I kind of fall in love with my clients. There's this moment when you first start working with someone where they show up vulnerable and wanting help. And you see the beauty and the humanity and the inherent power and possibilities that they're carrying. And I just fall in love with that. I'm like, wow, wow. And then of course, my challenge as a coach is not to get attached to yeah. whatever possibilities I think that, you know, oh, they ought to go this direction versus that direction. It is my job to support them wherever they want to go. But that's that's the part that I love the most is that moment of connection where we are two humans talking to one another. Granted, there's a coach and client relationship in that, but there's also a pure human. Connectedness that I love. Um, so that's the, the deeply personal moment thing that I love about coaching. But I have to say that over time, my clients go to such amazing places and do such amazing things, some of which are visible and some of which are internal to them. That it's, it's just a delight to have to be a party to that, to lend support, to sometimes guide and to just be privy to it to observe it and to know it's happening for them it's a joy is it ever too late to change it isn't it isn't at all um i tell you a very short story my mother who is 90 91 came to south africa this last february and she said secretly not to me that this was going to be her last international trip she came it was a very very busy time it was a lot And when she left, she said, you know, I don't know that I have the stamina or energy to come back. And then in her retirement community, she met someone who's 95 years old and travels the world pretty much all the time for all kinds of different reasons. And it was a real sort of wake up call for her to say, at 90, I'm thinking I'm too old for some things. And I'm looking at this 95 year old doing things that I I want to do. And, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to evaluate where you are to say, I want to do something different, um, or I want to try something different. I think what's one of the, the great opportunities and pleasures of aging is we do often get more time, more space in our lives to do the things that light us up. And we get to experiment, we get to be curious. Now, maybe we're not so young that we can slap a backpack on and hike Europe, you know on five dollars a day for six months but there are lots of things that we can do and i don't believe it's ever too late to keep one's spirit focused on what what enlivens us what nurtures us what brings our soul alive
1: susan thank you so much for talking with us thank you my pleasure thank you so much karen I've been talking with Susan Sutherland. You can find out more about her and her work at cleareyedcoaching.com. Please do get that vision and goal setting guide for humans 45 plus that's free on her website and check out her other Offerings. And you know, you're always welcome at KarenHager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private intuitive session with me there if it feels aligned. And you can join me on Instagram, where I'm Fog City Psychic. There's more out of the fog content there, jigsaw puzzle fun, and honestly, mm. whatever strikes my fancy <laughs> at the moment. Thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.